0: Today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, we'll talk about the distractions we inevitably face when we follow the call of God.
1: It doesn't mean there won't be opposition. It doesn't mean that it won't be hard. But when God is there, things that humanly speaking could not be accomplished can be accomplished in miraculous ways.
0: Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and he's also the president of Moody Bible Institute. Today, practical boots-on-the-ground instruction for keeping focus in the midst of distraction. That's the title of this current message, and Pastor Mark wraps up his thoughts on the subject in part two of the teaching coming right up. We're in a study of Nehemiah and how he was able to stay on task in the rebuilding effort God had called him to, and there's a lot we can learn from his example. Remember, if you miss any part of our current series called Rebuild Your Life, Your City, Your World, you'll always find us online at BoldStepsWeekend.org and listen to any past program or learn more about this series. Again, that's BoldStepsWeekend.org. Now, with part two of Keeping Focused in the Midst of Distraction, here's Mark Job with today's Bold Steps Weekend.
1: Nehemiah's opponents try to get him into a dialogue in the plane of Ono, and he sees past that and says no, I'm doing a big work, I don't wanna stop. Then they start rumors about him and attack his motives and he refuses to get involved. He says that's not true, God strengthened me and he moves on. Now, this is the most devious distraction. The most subtle, below the belt kind of distraction. It's the pseudo spirituality Distraction. Now, look what it says. It says, one day I went to the house of Shemiah, son of Deliah, a son of Mahitabel, who was shut in at his home. And he said, who are these people? Well, besides being people with weird names, they were people that were prophets and prophetesses. Uh, they were religious people. People that uh, were known to be the people of God, religious orders. And so they speak to Nehemiah and they say, Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. And let us choose, let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. So these people that claim to be prophecies, they're known to be prophets. They're, they're religious, respected people that, that are, are, are probably uh, involved in religious ceremonies and so forth. They come to Nehemiah and they say, hey, Nehemiah, we got a word for you. shh, shh, shh. What's the word? Hey, there's this conspiracy to kill you. But you see, we're men and women of God. We got a word from God for you. (gasps) Great, what is it? Go to the temple, lock yourself in, close the door, and save your life. That sounds okay. I mean, what's wrong with going to the house of God? The Lord is my refuge, my high tower. It seems almost biblical run to the temple, lock the door, put benches against the door, and say, God, here I am, don't let him kill me. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Wrong. You see, here's the thing. Not everybody that comes to you whispering in your ear that they have a word from God for you is from God. That that may be a flash to some of you. But do you realize that never, not everybody says that thus saith the Lord is from God? Now, now let me clarify here before I, before I move on in this section. But let me let me just say that I do believe, I, I do believe that God speaks, and I believe that God gives us words. In fact, in the New Testament, it talks to us about that, and it says that do not despise prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is a word that someone gives, gives to us for that moment at that time from God. That's a prophetic word, and the Bible says, "Do not despise prophecy." You know what, what "despise" mean? Despise means that you look down on it and say, "Ah, that's nothing. That's a bunch of baloney. I'm not going to believe it." You know, God doesn't speak. It says, "Wait a second. Do not despise prophecy." But then it goes on to say, "But test that which is good, and cling to that, and." Cast away that which isn't good. So here's the thing. Don't despise prophecy, but make sure that you test it, discern it, and make sure that it's from God, because not everybody that says, thus saith the Lord, is speaking from God. So, by the way, as a personal note, I can tell you that, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people come up to me over the years and say, Pastor, i got a word for you. And you say, well, what do you do? Well, I have a word file. If you go to my office at home and you open up my desk, I have a vanilla envelope there, and uh, on the top it says words. And so when someone comes to me and says, I got a word from God for you, then I say to them, would you please write it out? Because first of all, I wanna make sure I don't misunderstand, because oftentimes it's in a moment of busyness, or right before a service, someone corner me and say, I got a word for you. Okay, all right. Write it out, I wanna make sure I hear it clearly. Secondly, I want you to write it out because I don't wanna despise it I want you to write it out, and I want to evaluate it, and here's what I know, that God doesn't speak solo voices, that typically what God does is God will confirm it through other people, through inner peace in myself, through other individuals, through his word, and there'll be multiple confirmations about something that God is seeking to get you to do, not one solo voice that's telling you something, thus saith the Lord. Are you tracking with me? So you have to evaluate it, discern it, pray over it, and wait for confirmation. If I followed every word that people have told me, I have a word from God for you, I would be like a yo-yo. Woo, 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 because I'd be all over the place because there are a lot of people having all kinds of funny words. And so we need to discern it, not despise it. So they came to Nehemiah and said, we got a word for you, Nehemiah. You need to run to the temple, lock the door, hide yourself in there. Now, here's the other thing I want you to make sure you understand about words. God does not contradict himself. So remember this. If you ever get a word that violates or is contrary to the revealed written word of God, then you can be sure that it's not of God if it's contrary to what's already revealed in Scripture. Remember that. And I don't care if you say, well, you see, Pastor, and I've had multiple conversations of this, and I don't want to despise, I believe God shows up in supernatural ways. You can have a vision. But, you know, if you come to me and say, Pastor, seriously, I was in my room. It was nighttime. I wasn't asleep. Laying on my bed, and there it was, boom, this angel. Flappy wings, halo around, really bright, and this angel said to me, Hey, you, <laughs> go marry that person. And you say, Pastor. This is a vision, a revelation. I mean, I know it's got to be from God. I'd say, okay, well, wait, wait, wait slow, slow down. First of all, who is that person? Well, I know if it's another married person currently married to a spouse already, that you, well, first of all, no wrong, no not from God. I know if it's an unbeliever that the angel said, "Go marry him," maybe you can convert him and get him to follow. Cry, no, that's not of God either. And here's what I know. The Apostle Paul says, though an angel from heaven reveal to you any other gospel than that which we have already preached to you, let it be a curse. What Apostle Paul says, I don't care if it's an angel and his cousins, flapping wings and glory and filled and light. If an angel speaks contrary to the word of God, be assured of this, it's not the right kind of angel. It may be a fallen angel, a wrong vision, distorted because everything that God has can be imitated and duplicated in the realm of the dark realm. Are you with me? You see, anything good of God can always be duplicated some other distorted way. I don't care if it was an angel. The question, I don't doubt that you saw an angel. I don't doubt that you had flashes of light and heavenly visions. The question I ask is, what did it say and what was the message? And if that message contradicts what's already revealed in the word of God, here's what I can guarantee. It's not of God. And I have people all the time saying, well, you know what? This person said that something appeared to them. Okay, you know, if something appeared to you, if, if people are going to some tree because someone had a vision about a tree and they're lighting candles and kissing a tree and holding a tree and hugging a tree, listen, you say, well, they say it was a real vision. Well, that, that's fine, but let me ask you this. Does it bring glory to God through Jesus Christ? If it doesn't, it's not of God. No, you, Pastor, you, said, see, you see the sap coming down that tree. Doesn't that look like Jesus' face? Mm, I don't know, it looks like chedavara to me, or, or I can't really tell real good. The point that I'm making is this, is that just because you feel like something supernatural, test every spirit, test every experience, and you need to understand what is the message that is being proclaimed, because there's a lot of stuff out there that's said in the name of God that's not necessarily of God.
0: There is a serious need to measure all things we experience, see, and hear against the Word of God. You're listening to Bold Steps Weekend. That's Mark Job with some practical and important steps to be taking while going through any rebuilding process. Just a short pause here to let you know that boldstepsweekend.org is the online home of this program. From there, you can listen to any of our more than 200 messages. You can connect with Mark by email or subscribe to the podcast and more. That's boldstepsweekend.org. Now, back to the conclusion of today's message called Keeping Focused in the Midst of Distraction. Here again is Mark Job with Bold Steps Weekend.
1: Now, Now, I believe that God speaks, and I don't question God's ability to speak to us, but I'm really... Be very careful when you say God told me to tell you. Because I think that's a dangerous, those are dangerous phrases to say. Because you go around telling people, God told me to tell you, means like, it almost makes it sound like you can't be wrong. And here's what I understand. God cannot be wrong, but you are not infallible. And and God's message is always clear, but your antennas sometimes are fuzzy. just, just, Just so you know that. You know, and so I would much I'm much more comfortable with people. I get nervous around people that raise their voice up and say, Oh, say to the Lord, God Almighty. And 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 say, God says, I get kind of nervous about that. Like, first of all, why do you have to shout it out? And why do you have to use King James language to say it? And and <laughs> I'm I'm a much more comfortable with someone that says, you know, I've been praying and I sense this and I just want to present it to you. Because what you're presenting yourself as is a fallible, as a fallible person that's submitting something that you sense of God, but you understand that you can be wrong as well. I'm much more comfortable with that, okay? Are we tracking here? So, here's what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah says, should a man like me run away... Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life, I will not go. I realize that God had not sent him. Well, that's a revelation. That takes some spiritual discernment. He says, I realize that person wasn't of God, really, even though he was a prophetess and a religious person, I realize he's not of God. And he says, but that he had prophesied against me because of Tobiah and Sambla had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. Now let me ask you this: what sin was he committing? Well, here's the thing. Nehemiah knew scripture. Uh, if you can read in Exodus 29:33, 33, Exodus 33:20 33, and numbers 187. If you were just a regular civilian, you did not have the right to go in the temple whenever you wanted to and close the door and lock yourself in. It was reserved only as a right to the priest. So Nehemiah would be sinning against the law of God to run into the temple, close the door, and act like he had the right to do so. But since he understood scripture... He knew that he would be violating Scripture if he were to do what they asked him to do. Do you understand? It was important that Nehemiah knew the word. Some of us don't know the word, so we're looking for a sign. Oh, let me say that again. Some of us don't know the word, so we just look for a sign. Lord, well, I don't know. I'm just confused as whether I should really initiate a relationship with this married man. He's unhappy in his marriage anyways. He told me that. And his wife's already thinking of divorce. Should I initiate a relationship with this person or not? Oh, Lord, give me direction. Okay, if I see a blue car pass in the next three minutes, that'll be a sign from God that it's a yes. Okay, Lord, here it goes. Let me see. No, no, no. A Blue car! Yeah! God gave me a sign. Now, why are you dating that guy? Because God told me to. (laughs) Wait a second. Do you realize how off the chart you are? Because if you knew the word, you would be clear about that, no, that's forbidden territory and you shouldn't initiate a relationship with a married man, period, unless you're his wife. And you wouldn't have to ask for a sign because you would know the word and the word is clear about it. And when we walk in ignorance, oftentimes we need supernatural signs to confirm what's already clear in the word of God. So know the word. Fourthly and lastly, in times of victory, distractions are not eliminated. They just hide in the shadows waiting for a better time. So, Nehemiah sees through the false prophecy. And he says, verse 14, Remember Tobiah and Sambalot, oh my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who've been trying to intimidate me. Nehemiah had greater fear of God than he had of them. Lastly, verse 15, So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Verse 16, when all the other enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. I love that. Jerusalem lie in ruins for how long? 141 years. The wall had been torn down. How long did it take to rebuild it? 50. Two days. OK. what is 52 days? A month and a week? Uh, two weeks? So think about this: 52 days, a month and a couple weeks. Imagine something had lying in ruin for 141 years, and in 52 days, it's rebuilt. And I want to say, how come no one did this before? And why did they have to lie in ruins for 141 years? Wasn't there anybody in 141 years that had the courage, the boldness, the leadership, the spiritual guts to rise up and say, hey, this shouldn't be this way. We need to change it. Where were the leaders, I want to say? Here's the thing I want you to understand. There were leaders and there were people and there were people that tried. The difference, the hand of God was on Nehemiah. Do you remember how long Nehemiah prayed before he started rebuilding the wall? He prayed 100 days. He prayed and fasted for 100 days. Now, he didn't fast the whole period of time, but he prayed and fasted uh, intermediately for 100 days, and think about it. it took, he prayed and fasted twice as long as it took him to rebuild the wall. 100 days prayer and fasting, 52 days to build it. Why? He went there with a lot of prayer and a sense of this is God. And when the nations around saw that he had accomplished this supernatural work in such a short amount of time, it said they knew, as a matter of fact, that God had to be involved in this. This must be a God thing because in human power, this could not be accomplished. And I want to say, that is my prayer. I'm painfully aware of this great vision that God has given us and how small, under-resourced, underpowered, and limited we are to accomplish this vision. But you know what? That's what makes it so exciting. Because if God is not in it, forget about it. It won't happen. And, you know, I've prayed for years. I started praying this prayer when I was about 21 years, and I would tell God, God, if you're not in it, I don't want to be in it. So please don't lead. Please don't, don't let me go there if you're not there. I don't want to go somewhere and then look back and say, hey, where's God in this? God, I'm trying to do this all on my own. I don't want to go there if you're not in it. I don't want to be in a place that you're not leading. I want to be right in the middle of what you're doing. I want to stay close beside. Sometimes I need to take a time out and say, okay, is God in this? Do we really want to do this? God, if you're leading, because if not, let's wait. I want to know, God, that you're in it. Because when God is in something and his hand is hovering over us, then forget about it, though the. Though the, the world may be against us, if God be for us, who can be against us? Things happen in a supernatural way. Doors open in miraculous ways. Things that are unexplainable. Things that people say, well, how could that be begin to occur when the hand of God is there? It doesn't mean there won't be opposition. It doesn't mean that it won't be hard. But when God is there, things that... in that, humanly speaking, could not be accomplished with the hand of God, can be accomplished in miraculous ways. And you know what? The same applies to you. You should not even consider a relocation without invoking God to give you direction about it. Uh, You shouldn't consider a job change and say, oh, bless me, God, I've made a decision. You should be saying, God, are you in this? You shouldn't even be considered buying a house without praying over and saying, God, please lead me, direct me, guide Oh, Oh, please, you shouldn't even be thinking about marrying someone that you haven't prayed about and said, God, lead me. I really want to be careful about these decisions. Every major decision that you make in life every turn that you make, every major step that you make, I hope that you are saying, oh God, I need your hand in this and I won't do it if I don't sense your, 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 your leading and guidance and your approval in this because if your hand is not there, God, I don't want to be out there on my own. I want to be in the middle of what you are doing, mighty God. Amen? You have some priorities in life and I hope that your spiritual walk with God is one of your main priorities if your spiritual life is not making progress if you're not focused if you don't have enough time in your spiritual life to really make progress on it then I wanna challenge you don't let yourself go down that road for too long because you'll end up one day and ask yourself how did I get off course because you got distracted out of your priorities so get back on course. Make God a priority. Invoke His presence and His hand upon your life so that you can move forward with the confidence that God is here in my life. Amen?
0: We're getting our spiritual compass pointing in the right direction, and the only way to do that is by making God the top priority in our life. A great concluding word here on Bold Steps Weekend. We're in this series on the life of Nehemiah called Rebuild Your Life, Your City, Your World. And you can listen to this message again or others in the series by visiting boldstepsweekend.org. While you're online, let me remind you to request your copy of our latest Bold Action Gift. It's a short book packed with wisdom by author and pastor Gary Chapman called Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married. To tell us more about it, here again is Mark.
1: When people think about marriage, They often envision fun date nights, romantic getaways, and a brunch in bed with your best friend. But what about the more practical, less appealing realities? Balancing budgets and assigning chores aren't the sort of topics we find in love songs. But when it comes to marriage, it's the daily, fundamental aspects of how we work together that will ultimately make or break a relationship. That's why Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called Things I wish I'd known before we got married. In his honest and proactive resource, Gary breaks down some of the biggest misconceptions about marriage while providing counsel and encouragement to help us build relationships that really last. You can request your copy today when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. Once again, the book is called Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married.
0: And we'd be happy to send you a copy when you go online to BoldStepsWeekend.org with your gift. Or call us at 866-535-5580. By the way, if you're on social media, be sure to connect with us there to gain a closer behind-the-scenes look at all of our ministry events. You'll find us on Facebook and Instagram when you search for Bold Steps Radio. We look forward to seeing you there. Well, that's all the time we have for today on Bold Steps Weekend. Be sure to tune in again next time as we continue our Rebuild series with a message called Securing the Borders of Your Life. You've likely heard garbage in, garbage out. Well, next time, we'll learn why we need to pay close attention to what's going in and out of our minds. I'm Wayne Shepard. On behalf of the entire Bold Steps Weekend team, have a great weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.